This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Oh, screw the Drake. I love the Drake. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third boy to wear the mantle of Robin, Tim Drake, through the 90s and 2000s Robin series, Red Robin, Young Justice, and Teen Titans. And from time to time, taking a look at the modern era of Tim Drake in the pages of DC Comics, while also talking about other Robin and Batman happenings in the world. So sit back and relax and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I am your host, Rob Myers, and welcome to episode 82. The show is, of course, brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net and our wonderful podcasting network. We're also part of another podcast network. You can find us at Batman on Films Podcasting Network at Batman podcastnetwork.com you can get a hold of us on facebook instagram you can send us an email at robin eltd podcast at yahoo.com we are on youtube and we're also on twitter at eltd podcast now like we try and do on the show we record a battery of episodes sometimes and we'll just kind of say oh we're going to record three episodes today and there won't be an intro or an outro sometimes and we'll just fill those in so sometimes where we're coming up to stuff, I'll tell Terrence and Ryan, like, uh, if there's any news, you know, maybe we'll, we'll record something. So I thought it was going to be a quiet New York Comic Con as far as this podcast was concerned. But the next voice you're going to hear is Terrence. And I think his jaw probably hit the floor as quickly as mine did. And I was like, what? what? So if you remember what Terrence talked about, the flash, the end of the flash war of a character that popped up. And I think we kind of geeked out for a moment. Wouldn't it be cool if, and thinking, ah, they're probably not going to do anything. So Terrence, how are you doing? And uh, what about this little nugget of news that kind of dropped in everyone's lap and it made everybody go, what, what? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the, the text that I sent you was, I was yelling like, um, the Riddler and uh, Jim Carrey's Riddler in Batman <laughs> Forever when he yelled out. <laughs> Joy <Gattam! laughs> I'm not even 100% sure what that is, but it's pretty amazing because leading up to this, I was kind of having that feeling of, are they going to kill Tim Drake again? Are they uh, going to yeah. kill him? Because we had the, the Heroes in Crisis and um, it was teased on the ad, and I'm like, I don't think they're going to kill him, but it just really annoys me that they're 
teasing us that they're going to kill him. And I didn't like that ad of who will die. Like, I just, yeah. like, like uh, you know, I don't know, the whole thing with comic book deaths and then them coming back nine issues later and all, all the way they're just sensationalizing. I just wasn't really happy with that. And then reading Heroes in Crisis, number one, the artwork was phenomenal. Yeah. But just the story just left me feeling just really blah on comics. Just like, really, is this is this what we're doing? Like, now, maybe when I read the whole series i you know I, I i might feel differently so i gotta let the whole thing play out before i really judge it but really the first issue i should be like yeah i can't wait to read more instead of well well let me see how it plays out you know that's so, yeah so i was just feeling kind of blah about kind of comics in general until this news broke that there will be a young justice series uh, now it's kind of weird because it says Acclaimed writer Brian Michael Bendis revealed his curated, if I'm saying that right, Wonder Comics imprint. I've never heard that word curated for to as like referring to someone who's heading a comic line. Have you heard that? Was that a new one to you? Well, it's funny that they use the word curated because that is the very same word they're using with the DC uh, app when you're oh, talking really? about comics. That they're okay. curating comics, which... If you're a curator at a museum, you go out and go get the special items for this thing that you have. So some people took it on the DC app as, oh, they're going to be curated. They're going to pick and choose what DC deems is the best to have on the app. And then in you know three or four months, like Netflix, they'll reshuffle the decks and they'll curate some more. Which probably on that end, people are like, oh, just put up everything. This, using the term curated, I'm taking it to mean... We're picking the things that we're excited about rather than just opening up this imprint. And the imprint is Wonder Comics, if I'm saying that right. So that's like um, Vertigo is under the DC banner. The Black Label is under the DC banner. So now Wonder Comics is – this will be Brian Michael Bendis's his own world universe that apparently this is still tied to main continuity – but it's yeah, it more says it's for, in continuity. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it more for, I mean, like one of the other things that we'll get to in a moment is the wonder twins, like the eighties, yeah. you know, Saturday morning cartoons, super friends, wonder twins are going to get their first uh, comic book appearance, which I think they've had little ones here, there, but their own uh, proper title. So I I'm taking it for the curating aspect of it is that he, he's basically the curator of his own museum and it, people that he deems like, oh, I've always wanted to work with you. Why don't you come do something in my imprint that's under the banner of DC as a whole? So I don't take that as bad, but I think that's just a fancy way of saying he's in charge and he gets to decide um, who gets to play underneath the banner of his uh, Wonder Comics imprint. Yeah, that's what I took it to. I just never heard that word curate for it before because, I mean, just recently DC had the Young Animals line which was being held uh, helmed by Gerard Way, and I heard a lot right. of like he's in charge, he's helming it. He's I never heard them say Gerard Way was curating the Young Animals line. Now, maybe they did, and I missed it. I don't know. You know, um, Marvel had this with the Marvel Knights line where Quesada right. was you know ahead of it, but I never heard anyone say oh Quesada was curating the Marvel Knights line. But I don't know. Maybe they just want to use that term because it's what they're using for the app. So like you said, that's, but, yeah, you know, I think or, that's kind of the speak that they're using right yeah. now. So why not lean into it? Well, let's uh, let's start with our boy Tim Drake then, and all of this here. So <laughs> I, I like the idea that it's Wonder Comics. Um, 
I hope they stick with it because DC has a habit of launching these lines and then dropping them in like three years. I, right. You know, Vertical lasted for 25 years, then it went away, then it kind of came back. But, you know, Young Animals is gone already. That was that didn't last very long. And like right. Im- Impact Comics and Milestone. I mean, right. the list goes on and on of, of things, Paradox Press. I mean, I just keep going. <laughs> so I'm hoping this will stick around. And I like the fact that it's geared for, like, teens, which is kind of like what I like in comics. Like, I, I, I want some fun back in comics. I don't need Heroes yes. in Crisis, you know, Part 87. Like, I just, you know, <laughs> like, I get, I, I don't want to be insensitive, but, like, some things are just, like, maybe that doesn't belong in comics. Like, it's too real world. It's, you know, these are men yeah. running around in their pajamas fighting, you know, super villains. Like, so anyways, Tim Drake, we don't know too much about it. From the artwork, Patrick Gleason has released some of the artwork. He'll be helming or, or penciling the uh, Bendis-written uh, Young Justice book. Um, he looks a bit younger. It looks like they de-aged him a couple years because in, in Detective Comics, he was... I guess a high school senior uh, getting ready to go to college or he graduated high school early because it was the whole thing of is he going to go to Ivy University, which I, I was assuming as a freshman. Here he looks maybe about two years younger, maybe about 16, which I'm okay with that. But he's got the single R like he does in the Walmart books, yes. which makes me wonder if it's just he's just Robin. I I don't think – I don't know if they'll call him Red Robin in this or Robin, but the costume looks great. Gleason's art with him looks great. And it makes me think that it's going to tie into the Walmart books. Like that's kind of how we're seeing him in the Walmart books is how he's going to be in this Young Justice. Uh, what did you think of uh, Tim in all this? I I mean, without trying to be like, ah, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't like, you know. 14-year-old girl excited that the boyfriend just uh, sent a note back that's circled yes instead of yes, no, or maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, um, you know, reading a couple of different things from CBR and Newsarama, one of the first things that it said was, uh, Young Justice making its return, starring Bart Allen as Impulse, Connor Kent as Superboy, and Tim Drake as Robin. Bendis had said, yes, Tim Drake is the best Robin, not oh. a red one. So he's already saying... This is Tim Drake. So Pat Gleason, if you go through, uh, I'm trying to think with the issues that Gleason did in the Robin run. He did a lot of covers uh, for the Tim Drake. It was when he was in his one year later outfit. So we're talking in the high, you know, 99s, 100, like 135, 134, those uh, particular issues, maybe even higher than that, where he did a lot of covers. So he tends to draw a lot of his characters looking a little bit younger. So I'm wondering if it's just aesthetics, like this is just how he's traditionally drawn Tim. Because even in the um, artwork that I have hanging on my wall here, it was in Superman 18, where you know Tim's banging on the wall going, you know, someone got out, someone got out. It's the same face for Tim that he's drawn over the years. So I don't know if it's as much as a D-age or... It kind of he reminds me of Brett Booth in some ways that that's just the typical face that he tends to draw for people. And then, you know, it's either taller, larger, shorter, or fatter. Um, I yeah. like Patrick Gleason a lot better than I like Brett Booth. But you know what I mean? Like some artists, like that's just their style and all their characters have the same youthful or, or older expression to them. So I'm, I'll be curious how this starts. Um, you know, will it dovetail out of... Uh, what was that flash 50 seeing Bart will Tim, is it going to be the adventures of him and uh, Stephanie? 
that that was my thing i was going to mention the one thing where i'm like oh kind of feeling bad is i get the feeling that stephanie brown is not going to be a big part of this probably yeah it might might be because when we left off in detective they were like basically engaged kind of or almost like on the road to getting married and engaged and driving off into the sunset kind of if she's in this, they may dial it back to where like she's the girlfriend or something. Or I, I feel like they're gonna. If I feel like she's either gonna not be a part of this, not be a part of it right away, or dialed way back to like high school sweetheart kind of thing. Or yeah, you know. But I'm okay with that because we got the cool Tinian run in Detective. And if you want to dial it back and bring it back to how it felt when Chuck Dixon was writing those early Robin books, I'm fine with it. Like it's, it's, I prefer to see like the continuation of where Tinian left them off, but I much prefer this than Tim Drake's body lying there dead in uh, heroes in crisis. Number one, next to all those other dead people, you know, or, or that kind of stuff or like a hard gritty look at Tim and Stephanie as she has her drug addiction problem and (laughs) goes through 8,000 things in life or whatever. You know what I mean? So that that was the one thing where I was just kind of like, ah, but you know, to to see Impulse again in the the Impulse costume and the, ah, this is what they're going to do with them. But the one, uh, well, I don't know. There's there's a lot here. I shouldn't say the one, but <laughs> Superboy. What does this mean for Superboy? This is we have not seen Connor Kent in Rebirth at all. His he was awful in the New Fifty Two. I mean, just what they did with him with the New Fifty Two oh, was just yeah. awful, and it, it was horrible was that jeff johns had started writing adventure comics with superboy before the new 52 and it was so darn good and it had like the old numbering which i just love i just geek out on that and that got wiped for the new 52 and um I think you barred me from ever saying his name, so I'll just say his initials, <laughs> SL, when he started writing Teen Titans yeah. and made Superboy the villain of the first arc and messed it all up. It was oh, just yeah. – it was awful. It was just so bad. So I, I'm hoping – well, I'm hoping that they just pretend like New 52 never happened, which I think they might. And just you know, seeing him in his 90s stuff is so awesome. It's oh, so cool. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But – I wonder what this means for Jonathan Kent as Superboy. Like that, that, that was. But I mean, DC's not afraid, I guess, of having two characters. But what do you think about the Superboy? Uh, Superboy is great. So, it, if you're li- when you're listening to this episode, I, there the images are already on Twitter on our page. You could probably find them all over, but they're on Twitter. They're on Instagram. I've been loading everything up, so you've probably seen these images by the time you're hearing this show. So we're talking. You know, Reign of the Superman, leather jacket, Superboy, the shaved side of the head. And I like that there's a little bit of tweaks to the costume. It's not 100% the classic look for the character. It's a little bit more updated, but it it is almost darn close. If you showed me this artwork... And said, when was this drawn? I would have said like 96, maybe? Yeah. Before? Like, I would have never right. have thought that this was f- from something modern coming out. 
Yeah. So, like, Superboy's costume looks like he has an extra pouch on his left-hand side. He's got some patchwork on his knees. A couple extra belts. (laughs) Couple, A couple extra belts to kind of lay into the 90s a little bit. He's got spikes on his upper shoulder that he didn't have to begin with, like, on the leather jacket. So I'm okay with those little tweaks. Tim doesn't have green pants anymore. Uh, They're black, but looks like they have green lining, uh, like, around the knees. He does have the ninja toe boots which i was like that is that is stinking awesome the bow staff a uh, bright red tunic uh the thing i like about tim's cape is it's scalloped like it was in the one year later so it looks very much like batman's cape would be just a little bit bigger scallop two tones like we said the single r and i've been really looking at impulse's costume it's pretty darn close to the way it was i think the lightning goes down through his boots a little bit more than it had previously. So just a few little tweaks on some of the images. You can see Pat Gleason's his uh, raw sketches, and he's writing notes off to the side uh, of each one of them. I think, Impulse, if I can get this up, it says, um, stretched out the white on the side of the suit to go to the uh, toes, so the red and orange. So that the white parts are going down a little farther. You just got to go and, check the images, images out. They're, they're fantastic. Yeah, the sketch of Tim is great. It's kind of like a little bit of his original costume, a little bit of the one-year-later costume, a little bit of the Young Justice, and he's got like a yellow stripe on his back of the yeah. cape and stuff, which is kind of cool. And it's, yeah, much darker pants, but there's like these green highlights. So, yeah, it, it, it looks awesome. And also, I guess the Young Justice book is going to have – Cassie in it as well. I guess it's the four yeah. of them, so that'll be cool. And, and then, it sounds like Jonah Hex's Jonah Hex's great 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 granddaughter will be yeah. in the book, and then a Teen Lantern is what they're calling her. Yeah, someone who hacked the lantern. Right. So yeah. that's kind of cool. Well, gosh, there's so much I want to talk about. All right, so <laughs> let's let's go this because I, I even I'm looking, I just realized like the other books there in the Wonder Print. There's going to be Dial H for Hero, right. which I don't really know that too much. I've always seen that, but I never really read that. Yeah, same um, here. Naomi, which will be a brand new character. Then the Wonder Twins, and then let me go back to the Wonder Twins for a minute. And then <laughs> I just saw here, I didn't even see this. For Wave Two, will be Amethyst, which Amethyst was probably the. How should I say? Most underrated book from the New Fifty Two. It came yeah. out like in the second or third wave. It only lasted like eight issues, but it was darn good. Like it was a really good book. And I, I was like, "What is this? It's like some crystal princess thing or something." <laughs> and then they made like a show of it on. I think it's on Amazon Prime. That was kind of goofy, but um, that was a really good book. But the Wonder Twins. When I first got into these characters, I didn't read comics. I was a little kid. I watched the Super Friends, and to me, yep. the Wonder Twins and Gleek were just the same as Superman or Batman or Robin or all the like they were all on the same wavelength because I was brand new to it and I see kids today like who are into the the superheroes and they're wearing like an Iron Man shirt and I feel like saying like do you know in like the 80s no one knew who Iron Man was like right you know but but to these kids (laughs) Iron Man is right there with Batman and Superman and now Black Panther and Captain Marvel both of them will be that you know like each (laughs) each generation like it's hard to realize, like, oh, yeah, wait a minute. Like, that wasn't around or that wasn't the new thing. So when I first started to read comics in, in the middle school, I was kind of like, well, where's Gleek? Where's the Wonder Twins? Aren't they in the Justice League? Aren't they? And <laughs> right. it, it was kind of weird. So to see them, I know probably people older than me are probably like, oh, what is this? And people younger than me who, didn't, who, who grew up with, you know, Batman the Animated Series and, and 
Justice League Unlimited as their ju- thing is like, oh, what is this? But people right in our wheelhouse, right in that age group that grew up with the Super Friends, this is fantastic. I am so happy to see them in comics. Yeah. You had asked about um, – I'm trying to pull up all the different uh, you know, news media outlets where all these stories broke. I don't feel like anybody has a full rundown of everything that was said. But I know that Brian Michael Bendis was asked, what about Connor Kent? And he said uh, he's going to – Connor Kent, excuse me. John Kent, that he is going to be coming back in the Superman titles and his story is not yet finished. So some people were like, whoa, what do you mean? Like you're you're going to take away John or it's the further adventures. So I've always had the thought of, you know, there's 50 million Green Lanterns. And before Heroes in Crisis, there were two Flashes. <laughs> yeah. Why can't there be two Robins? You know, even if one was red, so why can't Tim Drake just be Robin and Young Justice? And why can't Damien just be Robin and doing whatever he's doing? So it, being that this is a, a second or a separate imprint still connected in the universe, I think all of this can work. But I'm just happy that these characters are out there. And something you have been alluding to and kind of saying is... I just wanted something fun again, where you pick up the book and go, man, that was just a good time from start to finish. And that's what the original Young Justice run was like when Peter David uh, first started doing it. Like That was just a fun book. All of the important character traits from all of these characters, from Impulse and eventually Wonder Girl and uh, Robin and Superboy were all in there, regardless if whatever Chuck Dixon was doing in the Robin run. Peter David was doing something that was like a, a kindred spirit to what Chuck Dixon was doing with Tim, but he just amped up that fun. So I'm really looking forward to having Gleason and Bendis both writing this book together. Then I would imagine Gleason's going to be doing covers and some interior work as well. But I'm just excited to be able to pick up a book and put it down and go, man, that was fun. It wasn't yeah. like you said, doom and gloom and oh, 40 people died in this book and all these real long, heavy contrived stories, which are, are cool. And you add, you know, stakes to it and go, oh my gosh, who's going to die here? I I don't have to pick up a book and go, gee, I hope a character doesn't die here. I want there to be some stakes, but I want it to come out of it and just be going, man, that was just a fun story. Yeah. And Oof. I mean, this, the, I like the whole idea that it's under this Wonder Comics banner, so that way you feel like it's, I don't know, it's all part of the universe. But a couple things, 2019 is going to be the year of Young Justice, because we've got this Young Justice book coming out. Mm-hmm. Then there's another Young Justice monthly title coming out for the Young Justice cartoon that'll right. be on the app. So we'll have, I think, two or three seasons. They're shorter seasons, but two or three seasons coming out. Um, in, in 2019 of the cartoon plus, or I'm oh, sorry, animated series for all you sophisticated fans out there. <laughs> I like cartoons myself. Then there's a prequel comic series for the Young Justice animated series. So that, right. and I think they all will involve Tim Drake as the show, the, the prequel and the Young Justice proper book. So, I mean, it's going to be an awesome year for, for Tim Drake, we're going to have to do more podcasts. We're going to have to do like <laughs> one retro and one modern a month or something like that. I know. Do you think this kind of is the final nail in the coffin for the new 52? Because I, I was thinking about it. The, the new 52 was a success in that it launched launched DC sales that 
got a lot of people reading the books or getting the books or buying the books to where they overtook Marvel for a while. And ever since the New 52, they've been about equal with Marvel and just in terms of total sales and, and dollars and stuff. I mean, it, it fluctuates month to month. And when Rebirth right. came out, DC jumped ahead. And then when Marvel did their stunt, you know, they go ahead. But, but if you look at the numbers, they're pretty consistent. Where back in the 90s, you know, like... Marvel did like double what DC ever did. Oh, like, yeah. it was like Marvel was like 60% and DC was 30 and then Image was like all the rest. I mean, I'm trying to think like what came out of New 52 that has still stuck around now that we're seven years later that people say, oh, yeah, that was really good. Because I feel like if you read the last Doomsday Clock issue, it seems like they're going to undo some of the New 52 stuff even further as far as like the earth to justice society. Cause there was all yeah. this talk about Alan Scott, green lantern and how it was, um, Dr. Manhattan. Right. Who like caused, you know, Alan Scott to die and not become green lantern and all this stuff, which makes me think Jeff Johns, who was like, he wrote all that justice society stuff for like almost a decade. And it's so darn good. He's probably like, we need to put this back in the DC universe. And I agree. I like, it, yeah. it needs to be back in the DC universe. The whole Earth Two thing is, it was terrible and all that. So, I mean, can you think of anything from the the New Fifty Two that we've said, okay, this is this is good, this stuck around, and we're still doing it, or that hasn't been canceled, changed, or looks like it's going to be changed, or anything? Batgirl is the closest one because Stephanie was the previous Batgirl. The New Fifty Two hit. Barbara Gordon can walk. And is Batgirl. So even though through the new 52, then the brief minor change with Convergence and the DC YOU, it was called, Mm -hmm. before getting in, like she's had, you know, a little tweaks in costume twice now. Now she's on her fourth costume. Third or fourth. Yeah, I can't believe they changed her costume again. The Burnside thing was, I thought was popular, but yeah. Yeah. So it's just somebody else going, we need a fresh take. So. I think she, I'm sure somebody else out there is probably yelling into their computers, no, no, this too. Yeah. I I think that's probably one of the biggest changes to come out of the new 52 where it's like, okay, this is, you know, this is going to stick and we're just going to work around it. They've essentially, they melded the old continuity and the new 52 Superman into one, you know, composite Superman, if you will, um, so, yeah, but if you've been reading Superman, they molded them into one, and then they really like yeah. dialed it back to where he was. The only difference I think is that his parents are dead as opposed to being alive. Right. But if you compare like pre New Fifty Two Superman to New Fifty Two Superman and what's here now, it's almost like I mean everything. The marriage, the oh, right. maybe, did he have a see? I wasn't reading right up before New Fifty Two. No, they. They got married, but I don't think they ever had a child. The child came after, yeah. And yeah. then, yeah, Batgirl is a good one. I was also thinking possibly uh, Aquaman and his – because the new 52 Aquaman, I guess, is closer to the movie Aquaman. But once again, I wasn't reading Aquaman before the new 52, so I'm not really sure. Same here. But I know Jeff Johns's Aquaman – is what the new movie is based on. And have you, did you see the extended preview that does that thing? Yes. look Amazing. Or why? Oh, oh my, my gosh. So yeah. I cannot wait till. And I kept thinking this whole time it was a November release. And when I saw it said December, I was like, Oh man, you know, yeah. at yeah. least, at least it's this year. It'll be a, a really good Christmas uh, having that movie out. But so I think Aquaman's, you know, that new 52 Jeff Johns Aquaman, if you didn't read his run, it was a fantastic run where, 
I always liked the Aquaman character, but it wasn't until that where I was like, cool, this, this can be an Aquaman I can hop on board with. And he's, again, like Batgirl, had a few little tweaks here and there, but his continuity stream, if you will, for lack of a better word, um, has pretty much stayed consistent since the new 52 started. But, you know, Batman's been dialed uh, back Sorry, to... you say stream, all I can think of is that the, the, the clip in the trailer where he said, why don't we pee on it? <laughs> yeah, why don't we pee on it? <laughs> uh, but, you know, Batman's back in his costume again, his pre-new 52, his Hush era costume. So, I like you said, I think all... There's very few remnants of the new 52 where you can point at a character and go, oh, they're still acting like their new 52 selves. I think most of all of that is gone. The Batgirl run is adding the character Grotesque back into the story, which was the first villain that she faced in the new 52. But aside from villains, you know, those things can any character can get changed a little bit. So you're right. There's probably not much left of the new 52 there. So it was like this grand experiment that that's what pulled me back into comics was the new 52. I thought, well, this is a good opportunity to hop back on comics. So there's a definite starting ground. And then as the more I read the new 52, I started going, man, I missed the old stuff. So I started going backwards and yeah. buying older books until rebirth hit where I was like, okay, this really is starting to feel like, the the comics that I'm that I was missing and longing for for the five six years the new fifty two was going on and now with books like Young Justice coming out now I'm going okay this is what I remember and I don't think this will be something that's gonna you know somebody that grew up in the last twelve thirteen years I wouldn't think is gonna pick this up and go oh man this seems so dated I think Brian Michael Bendis is gonna write something very contemporary but also have something that feels very familiar at the same time. Yeah, totally agree. Kids are going to love this. Teens are going to love this. Yeah. Now, I did find this quote from CBR as we were talking. I was kind of going through stuff. I was talking about continuity. It says, while the, again, CBR.com, and I'm not plugging them for any reason. This is just where I found the information. It says, while DC Comics reintroduces many pre-New 52 concepts and characters since the start of the Rebirth era, Connor Kent has remained missing in action. However, Bendis continues to confirm Tim Drake, Bart Allen, and other members of the Young Justice currently appearing in the DC Universe will be the same characters starring in the upcoming series. They're all characters from the main continuity. Bendis laughed. They will they will maintain continuity from other from other books and characters from the main universe, main characters, main timelines. So, even though this is an off print, I would imagine there's going to be some carryover from Detective or from Flash or from Superman addressing these issues. And you know, I saw, um, gosh, where did I see it? Oh. Like on uh, YouTube, Dan DiDio, they have these like daily DC and weekly DC little videos. Yeah. And they talked about how they were having like writer's summits where all the writers get together and, and share ideas and stuff. And I love that. That's the thing that Marvel, as much as I'm a DC guy, the thing that Marvel always kicked DC's butt with is like having this shared universe and connecting all their stories. Sometimes it got a little nauseating with Marvel where like Spider-Man would be swinging through the, the – uh, <laughs> city of new york and he'd see like nova and he'd be like hey nova where are you going i'm off to go fight something and then they'd be like, editor's note check out nova issue 34 see what <laughs> happened and then spider-man like and there'd be 55 editor's notes in like one issue or something so right so sometimes it got a little ridiculous but overall i always thought they were just so much more connected 
than DC, where like Superman and Batman were in their own separate things. Like even when we talked to um, Chuck Dixon, where he said that Denny O'Neill got angry at him for putting like Superman moving Wayne Manor in one of the issues or something like that. You remember we talked about that? And, and Denny O'Neill was like, no, you can't have Superman in this book at all. So uh, hopefully we'll see more Tim Drake in other books because of that. Yeah. And I wonder if part of that isn't from Bendis coming over. Now, if you remember going back to, I think, April when we had James Tynan on the podcast, he was saying he's looking very much forward to the future and that there are plans for Tim Drake where he gets to read the adventures of Tim Drake and being a fan. I remember we kind of got off that call and going, you know, oh, wow, you know, I I wonder what it's going to be. Could it be a, a Red Robin solo title? I think we even joked that wouldn't it be cool if it was Young Justice? So how many months ago were all of these pieces kind of moving and putting into place? And that was right around the same time that Bendis came over and was really starting to plant his feet firmly in DC. So that just kind of gives you a perspective. And seeing James's Twitter this these last couple of days, and he said, see, I told you something big was coming for Tim Drake. So I think it's just it's a really cool time. Just for Tim Drake fans, where I'm like, he's the star of his own book, even though he was the star. He, I guess he wasn't a star in Detective. He was a main supporting character. And but then, they, then he was gone for half the run. Right. So at least now we know, like, okay, he's one of the three main stars of this. So you can kind of breathe, like Ashley Crock on the Red Robin uh, Facebook page. He might have uh, to change the name of that page. <laughs> I, I know. That's kind of what I was telling him. And I was oh, like, sorry, did I just step on what you were going to say? No, 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 okay. no. He, he's yeah. always been very pessimistic about Tim's future, starting with the New 52 and going all the way through. He's always been the one that's like, I don't know. I don't have much faith in DC. Tim's you know, missing from this issue. He's always doing a, you know, where's a Red Robin appearance in DC Comics for the last seven or eight years. And I sent him a message and I was like, I think you can breathe a sigh of relief. Tim has a monthly book that is his, I mean, it's a shared book, but it's his own book again. So it's going to be cool. I'm, I'm sure we'll get like impulse stories that, you know, are just for him. And then we'll get a Superboy one and a, a Robin one. And I think this is the best version of Tim when he was in that Chuck Dixon, Young Justice time frame where all the best qualities of the character were at. So I, I, I'm just happy uh, about it. You were you a big fan of the Young Justice comic book series, uh, the original release? Never read it. I it's, have to get it. I've got issue one, I think, somewhere, but I just wasn't reading comics at the time, and I just it's on my to do list. But um, it's I, at one point I was going to buy them and start doing them for the YouTube channel, but I just that's also on my to do list. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is that is something that um, I've thought about just wanting to start a Young Justice podcast because that series was so, so good. If you uh, listen to any of Shag's podcast, uh, the Blah Ha podcast, he is on Stella's Batgirl to Oracle a couple times. And just like uh, James had said, and even Shag himself has like, the Young Justice comic book was so good and influential uh, to a lot of people. It's, It's one I highly recommend. If you haven't read Young Justice, the original run, Go track those down. You can get them in trades right now uh, fairly cheaply, and it'll give you a nice you know, feel of what this could potentially be. 
Yeah, because the only Tim Drake we've had the last couple months has been in Deathstroke. Did you right. read that Deathstroke first Batman? Yes, that was really good. And that yeah, actually that takes so place during Tim's supposed death. So I thought that was really good. And did you see, I haven't read it yet, Deathstroke 36, the alternate cover by Francisco Matina? No, is that the one where he's oh, in Arkham Asylum? Yeah. I, yeah. I basically, I didn't get it, but I've now started ordering. If I see an alternate cover, I don't care what the what issue it is or what comic book. If it's done by Francisco Matina, I'm ordering one because they're amazing. <sighs> you, you have to check it out. It's Deathstroke 36. It's got like Deathstroke in the front and he's in Arkham. And behind him is um, the Scarecrow, the Joker, Two-Face, Mr. Freeze, Solomon Grundy, the Riddler, Scarface. Scarface, yeah. And it just looks amazing so yeah his covers were absolutely fantastic uh through deathstroke and he's one that now i'm just i'm i'm with you (laughs) i'm almost like if there's a if he's doing the b covers for a book i'm just going to go ahead and just get the b cover and quit double dipping as luke says every now and then oh you're double dipping in covers i'm like the the b covers are so so darn good right now and that's what i'm hoping out of this book that they don't stop doing that next year that we get like a a Tim Drake wonderful you know variant cover and a Superboy um, yeah I'm excited for this in case in case you can't tell do you have any other uh, uh, comments on uh, the you know, the reveal that's important for this podcast at all uh, no other than I'm just super excited like you like having gone through the death of Tim Drake and the the red robining of Tim Drake and, <laughs> and the 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 retconning of Tim Drake and then the re-retconning back to the re- re- Tim Drake and all that just to see these uh like pieces of my youth like impulse superboy from the 90s and Tim Drake uh but the fact that it's it's not just some um like one shot nostalgia piece geared for right. old farts like us to to you know like buy it and you know relive our youth that it's actually geared for teens and younger people to get to know these characters i'm sure a lot of these will be put into trade paperbacks and um sold to libraries and school libraries and a lot of kids will probably pick these up you know kind of like the way we got into comics like reading like issue seven first and being like wait what's yeah. going on and oh this is a seven I, I need to go get one through six and find out what happens and who is this guy and let me go buy some back issues and that kind of stuff so what would be cool is um this just popped in my head if you know this is curated i guess with the young justice cartoon or animated series <laughs> and so yeah a- after you watch the show it pops up hey you like that read issue one of peter david's young justice and here's issue one of brian michael bendis's young justice and that could get a lot of fans into the book as well so it's it's the perfect timing so remember in seinfeld since our our show is based on a seinfeld right um, <laughs> episode remember when seinfeld was running around uh george was going it's the summer of george remember that one like (laughs) 2019 it's like it's the summer of young justice it's the summer of tim drake so that's that's kind of how i feel about it oh yeah yeah i think one of the big things for me like one of my uh, final thoughts before we get into the rest of the episode is the the two names that are attached to it so far um having somebody what regardless of kind of what you think of Brian Michael Bendis, like some people love some of the runs that he's done at Marvel and some people have some problems, what he's done. And somebody was like, I don't know, you know, what's he going to do to these characters from everything that I've read so far. And the few video clips that are on YouTube, he seems really excited about bringing some fun back into it. And I think 
having his name and Pat Gleason's attached to the flagship book, which it said in numerous articles, I think says a lot rather than two creators that that you don't know so well. Like, oh, okay, who who are these two guys? And, you know, they don't really have any history with any of these characters. You can just go look at Bendis' Spider-Man work and the dialogue where you read it and go, man, that that is Spider-Man. And I'm hoping to be able to say those same things. Like, man, that sounds like Tim Drake. That sounds like Bart Allen. That sounds like Connor Kent. And maybe get into some of these other characters that we, we don't know. So I think it's got a good pedigree behind it having... Bendison Gleason's name attached to the flagship book. So I'm excited. So this is where we're going to pause for some ads from other podcasts that you can go check out. And when we come back, we're going to be looking at the Walmart 100 page giant teen Titans issue two and issue three. And, uh, I, since uh, I recorded this earlier, we'll take you through those two issues. We'll be back in just a bit. Don't go anywhere, folks. He has been challenged to read all the comics he has collected. This podcast will summarize, review, and reminisce about a single comic book issue and the time period somewhat chronologically by release date. He keeps a stack of comics near his bedside for when the time is right. Who is this interesting comic fan and what is the podcast? Hello, my name is Pat. I don't normally do podcasts about the comic books I read, but when I do, I podcast about them on The Longbox Crusade. Listen to it on iTunes, Stitcher, or on thelongboxcrusade.com and check out the Facebook page. Read them all, my friends. Space. The Final Frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast Gimme That Star Trek. Its ongoing mission, to explore all of Star Trek, to seek out new guests and new opinions, to boldly go where many have gone before. Give me that Star Trek. A new episode every month, only at fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes. All right, we're back. And uh, like I said right before the promo break, uh, we're going to take a look at the Walmart exclusive DC Comics 100-page giant. I'll get into exclusive just a little bit later after we get out of the synopsis. I wrote the two synopsis that you're going to hear hear here. Is that weird, is that weird to say? <laughs> that you're going to hear. Uh, they're a little bit lengthier, and I put in a little bit more to them because I have been getting a few messages from people that are saying they're having a hard time finding them around the Walmarts that I live. I can find all of the issues so far. I think most of all my Walmarts now have been carrying them. So you should be able to find them. But if you happen to live somewhere where there's not a Walmart and uh, people have said, Hey Rob, this is the only way I get to hear what's inside of these issues. So I want to make sure you get a more robust synopsis, which is basically, I essentially just wrote the story of the issue uh, from my perspective of it. So that way, those of you that aren't able to get it, you can at least get a really good idea what the story is. So I'm saying synopsis, there's going to be music and a score underneath of it, like I normally do. But for those of you that are having a hard time finding these, I wanted to be able to give you 
uh, a good indication of what this is. Uh, the team that is on this book, this is, is a six-part story, and I found this information on DC Comics' own website that you can kind of read in there. And I've been following Dan Jurgens on Twitter and Facebook, and he's been talking about it. So these are going to be six issues will complete the whole entire story that Dan Jurgens is telling. But the team on the book with him for the uh, original story that's in here, again, it's Dan Jurgens is the writer, Scott Eaton is the penciler, Wayne Foucher is the inker, and this is a name I always have a hard time uh, pronouncing, Jimmy Charmanopoulos, C-H-A-R-A-L-A-M-P-I-O-I-S. That guy is the colorist. Tom Napolitano, if I'm saying that correct, is the letter. Brittany Harzner is the editor, and Jamie S. Rich is the group editor. Love pronouncing all these names. So let's get into uh, the synopsis for issue two, and then I'm not going to read the credits for issue three because the credits are exactly the same for issue three. And I imagine all of these are done by the same creative team. And we will just go right into uh, issue three as well. So let's get this thing started. The DC Comics 100 Page Giant, issue two and issue three of Teen Titans. Here we go. Issue two, The Fearsome Five. Tim Drake, Robin, knows he's outmanned, outmatched, and outgunned. But if there's one thing Batman taught him is to never give up. He always finds a way. My name is Tim Drake, and I refuse to lose this battle. Climbing through a series of ventilation shafts inside of Titan's Tower, Tim Drake Robin springs from the top of the ceiling, surprising the members of the Teen Titans. Robin first encounters Starfire. Tim manages to throw some sonic batarangs to disorient Starfire. Robin turns his attention to Raven. He knows if he doesn't act fast, Raven could possibly transport him to the middle of the ocean if she lets him. Robin throws some flash grenades to the floor, blinding Raven temporarily. She cannot see. Without the protective lenses like Robin wears, she's as good as blind. With Raven momentarily incapacitated, Robin turns around to see a giant green velociraptor. It's Beast Boy, Gar Logan. The clown of the group, Beast Boy, can be very powerful, but in this instant, Robin decides to leap over the head of the giant large dinosaur, but Beast Boy chomps down on the back of Robin's cape. Robin detaches it from around his neck and lands right in front of a giant button over the back of the dinosaur. Robin brings his fist down to the giant red button, ending the training exercise. Tim Drake Robin has won. Again. Each of the Titans tells Robin that he cheated. Robin says, cheated? I don't think so. Starfire tells Robin, no one said we could use weapons. Robin smiles and says, no one says I couldn't use weapons. Robin turns around and says, well, it seems like you guys lost the bet. You're taking over cleaning chore duties for the next two weeks in the tower. The team heads out to grab lunch for the afternoon. While they're walking to go grab a bite to eat, the team talks about the Disruptor, who had stolen a device from Star Labs not more than a week ago. Miles away inside of the Hive. Hive, that's the hierarchy for international vengeance and experimentation. So let's just stick with Hive. That seems like a lot easier to say. Miles away inside of the Hive. One of the heads of Star Labs is also the controlling leader of the Hive, aside from the Queen. Begins to talk up to the Disruptor about the amplifier he stole from Star Labs. On purpose. 
The second in command leads the disruptor over to the fearsome four. He tells the disruptor, Mammoth, Shimmer, Simon, and Gizmo. All five of them will help lead the hive to the new utopian vision that they have planned. They are to follow the disruptor's orders, and by doing so, the hive will succeed in the first mission. And that mission is to destroy the Teen Titans. After having a brief lunch, Robin pulls out his tracking device that he had set up to catch a disruptor. Robin is monitoring for any instance that disruptor is active by using the amplifier. Robin gets an alert and the Titans head out in search of the disruptor. The disruptor appears to be standing in the middle of the street, just standing there. He has been waiting for the Titans. Robin feels uneasy about the disruptor as he has just been waiting for them to arrive. Once the Titans land in front of the disruptor, the disruptor outstretches his hand and begins to use his disrupting powers and causes a nearby bus to malfunction, causing the pistons from the engine to explode. Beast Boy turns to react and turns into a woolly mammoth, bringing the bus full of civilians to a stop. Robin tells the Titans to stay alert. There could be more coming. Raven says at least the innocent people on the bus weren't hurt. The disruptor looks towards the Titans and says, who said they were innocent? At that moment, the fearsome five jump out of the bus headed straight for the Titans. My name is Tim Drake, Robin, and right now all I can do is hope that I haven't led my team to their doom. Next issue, Dead Reckoning. Issue three of the Teen Titans DC Comics 100 page giant, Dead Reckoning. They call themselves the Fearsome Five. The tech wizard Gizmo, the alchemist Shimmer, the muscle Mammoth, and the telepath Simon, and their leader, the Disruptor, all-powerful, all-primed to take the Titans apart. The four Titans square off in a match with their potential counterpart, while the Disruptor leaves the fight to go off on his own. Robin battles Gizmo, throwing batarangs back and forth with Gizmo, matching every one of Robin's attacks he throws. Beast Boy and Mammoth go head-to-head in a slugfest, rhino to mammoth, horn to fist. Simon and Raven go into a mind battle, psychic energy against dark matter energy from hell. Starfire begins to battle the alchemist, Shimmer, all while giving the Disruptor the ability to be able to walk away from the battle and to go about his bidding for the Hive. This is giving the Disruptor just the amount of time he needs to put the compound that the Hive gave him into the ground and have it take its effect. Back at the Hive, the Director is rallying the troops together, telling them that they are ready to be part of something great, and that the Queen will be pleased with their actions, and that the fight in San Francisco will continue. In the meantime, the attack fleet is ready to launch, and the Director says the Fearsome Five will be playing roles of the sacrificial lambs while they move to their ultimate goal. Back in the streets of San Francisco, Robin is realizing that they are outnumbered and outmatched. He has to do something he does not like to do. He must pull the ranks in and begin a retreat of the city and to save as many civilians as they can from the battle raging on the streets because of them. Robin tells the Titans at this rate they aren't helping anyone. He needs all the members of the Titans to break off the attack and start helping civilians. One by one, Raven, Starfire, Beast Boy, and Robin begin to save civilians from the destruction going on between them and the Fearsome Five. Beast Boy says we've all been duped. While they've been fighting the Fearsome Four, the Disruptor has been working on his real plan, whatever that might be. Raven catches up with the Disruptor and manages to grab a device that the Disruptor was working on and takes it and disappears back into the darkness. But it's exactly what the Disruptor wanted, 
and the hive wanted Raven to do it. She might have one unit, but she solved nothing. Simon says, how could she possibly know that I prevented her from seeing what she wanted to see? Each of them now holds a device that Raven seems to think that she took from the disruptor. Not only that, but there are hundreds of devices all over the city. The disruptor is standing now smiling and is set to plant the device to release the lethal compounds inside the city. The city is now theirs for the taking. Next, Destruction Boulevard. All right, we're back from the synopsis for the 100-page giant Teen Titans from Walmart exclusive. Now, I said exclusive in air quotes just a little bit ago, not that you could see my fingers move. (laughs) But I would think that this is probably going to get collected, at least the Dan Juergens original story. The only reason I'm saying that is because on DC's own website, it's saying the six. it's a six-part story issue story that he's writing. So if each issue is 10 pages, that's 60 pages. That would kind of warrant if they're going to do this. I don't know if they are, so don't don't quote me on it. They could potentially release trades of the new stories for the 100-page giants. They may not, it just may be in these single issues if you will. And you may need to buy all six of them to get the full story that Dan Jurgens is telling. Or if you're reading the the Batman book or the Justice League book, or I think Harley Quinn might be the other book. I, I don't know. I'm not picking whatever that fourth book is. Um, I'm kind of picking up the Superman book right now. I was only going to do just Batman and Teen Titans, but I thought, well, Tom King is writing the Superman story, I'm kind of intrigued what his Superman is going to be like. So I'm deciding I'm just going to do that. Brian Michael Bendis right now is doing the newest Batman issue. That is number three also. He is starting his uh, run on Batman in the Walmart book. So they're getting some really good creators and writers in these issues. So it's not a, I would say, a complete throwaway of I've spent $5 just on a normal single issue. So yes, there is older content in this book, but it's nice to see it's just reprinted again and kind of thumb through it. Batman has hush. And then teen Titans has the Jeff John story plus, you know, one or two other things in there. So I think it's just kind of cool to have, if you're spending five bucks, it's might as well have something that you enjoy, but I can also see the other side of it where somebody says, I already have Hush. I already have the Jeff Johns run. I already have Super Sons or you, whatever the Superman story from issue one and issue two is. I, I couldn't tell you on that or, or the Justice League book. So I get it. I, I understand that. But I think these are really cool at the same time. It's just cool to have. If you know me long enough now, I'm a sucker for anything Tim Drake. So seeing when this issue one came out, like Tim Drake is not on the face of any comics anywhere. So I was like, well, this is my only way to get any Tim Drake stuff. And here we are getting ready to talk about issue two and issue three. And they just announced a Young Justice series uh, that's going to be not only the animated series, but the Brian Michael Bendis and Pat Gleason bringing back the Young Justice team of 
Tim Drake as Robin, like you just heard us talk about, Connor Kent as Superboy, and Impulse Impulse is Bart Allen. Bart Allen is Impulse. So when Terrence and I were talking about doing this New York Comic Con part, he was like, you need to do the Walmart 100-page giant, because I was going to slip in Robin 18, where Terrence and Ryan and I had recorded. I thought, oh, cool, well, we've got that issue from our long marathon session and that'll that'll fit just fine boom instant episode and terrence is like no we this is you need to do the walmart uh book right here because it tim's in that book and we just had this discussion about tim for new york comic-con so it just made sense so we're going to take a look at the two covers here kind of back to back issue two is essentially the cover for issue two is the cover for issue two of the 2003 Jeff Johns run. You've got Superboy in the front in his black shirt with the red S, uh, bringing his hand down, kind of uh, crushing, it looks like, the Superman symbol with a big, huge image of Cyborg behind Superboy and then the Titans Tower. And then they've superimposed uh, Sideways, which is a new character from the New Age of Heroes that they DC did just about a year ago, then two small pictures, from the Jurgens Scott Eaton comic that's inside of this on one side of Superboy and then the Super Sons backup story that's in this as well with Starfire, Robin, Cyborg, Wonder Girl, and Beast Boy and Superboy at the top again from their Jeff Johns uh, run in this. So that's the uh, cover for issue two. I forgot what issue it was on. Uh, issue three is the interesting cover. It's the only one that's kind of broken the mold of using a cover for a cover or an image from something that's inside of the book. I think this is a new creation for issue three that somebody at DC commissioned someone. I've been flipping through this book, trying to find where the front cover artist is getting credit from. And I'm not seeing it anywhere. I'm been looking again, like maybe I would have accidentally missed it, but I'm not seeing where it's listed at all. Yeah, I'm not seeing who did the front artwork. Nope, can't find it. Can't tell you. But it doesn't look like it's from... It looks like it could be from the Jeff Johns run. Like, maybe it's page four, panel three of issue seven. But I flipped through the issues that I have, and I have a couple trades, and I was going through. But the front image, if you haven't seen it, and it'll be posted on the artwork for the show, and it's on the Facebook page. It's been on Twitter. I've posted this once or twice talking about recording this, but it's Deathstroke in one hand holding Robin by the cape, Tim Drake, obviously, and then in the other hand holding Cyborg by his front shirt or, you know, outfit that he's wearing, because sometimes Cyborg just has a metal chest, but you know what I'm saying. Behind those three is the unconscious bodies of Superboy, Starfire, Beast Boy, and impulse. So since I had a pretty lengthy synopsis in here, I won't go through page by page of this since I constructed the synopsis to kind of go that route anyway. But there's a few things that I want to point out in case you missed issue one, something that I've heard some people say about the first uh, story in this by Dan Jurgens. It seems a little trying to say this in the best way, because I really do enjoy this. It seems very cookie cutter and very basic story. And it is. And I believe that is done for the specific reason of why these books are created in the first place. And I kind of feel that way with all of the original stories that start these books off because it is an entry level book for people that may not be buying comic books at all. They're at the grocery counter 
with their kids or it could be some teen looking through Magic the Gathering cards or whatever it is, or maybe an adult that hasn't read comics in years and they see these and go, oh, I saw Teen Titans go the movie. There's, you know, Robin and there's Starfire and Raven. Or I took my kids to see those like, oh, look, there's Robin there. Oh, there's Batman. They might like a comic book and they pick this up. So if this is the first comic book that they're reading and they're going through this very first story being Teen Titans, Batman, Superman, or whatever. I can't remember what the other book is now off the top of my head, but it's an introduction for people that may not have 75 years of Batman history crammed into their head or 30 years of Tim Drake history or whoever the character is, 80 years of Superman. So it's, you know, Batman's going to be turned 80. I said 75. You know what I mean? So it's more of an entry level story. And the Titan story pretty much from this point is starting out as we have the good guys. We have the bad guys. We have somebody that's pretending to be a good guy and tells another bad guy to steal this thing. And now the good guys got to have go up against the bad guy to get the thing back that they stole. And this thing does a thing. So it's, I know I'm probably making it sound a little more simplistic than it is, but it's done so well and so earnest that I'm like, I'm along for the ride. Some of the best stories that I've read were some of the most simplistic stories. But again, it's some people have said, oh, I don't feel like this story's for me. And it's probably not. It's, again, geared for somebody that isn't buying comics regularly. And this might lead them to want to pick up more comics or come back to Walmart in a month or a week or whenever uh, the books are coming out there once a month. And it says, you know, see you next month for the next adventure. But then they're also getting some rich DC history of some classic stories of, you know, here's something a little more modern, something maybe a little bit more mature. And I forgot flipping through issue three, uh, the end of the Jeff Johns, uh, actually not issue three, it's issue two that's in here of the Jeff Johns run. It ends with Deathstroke shooting impulse right in the knee and like almost blasting his kneecap right off. So I was like, man, I forgot that that <laughs> that was in here. So again, if you just bought this for your kid and he sees, you know, a half bloody knee of uh, impulse here, you're, they're going to kind of freak out. But then it's balanced by Damian Robin and John Kent Superboy with Lex Luthor here, something a little bit more modern. And then the sideways story that's a brand new DC Comics character. So you're getting a beginning, a middle, and a current version of what the Titans teen characters are like. So I think Dan Jurgens is doing a really solid job of just telling a nice introductory story. Here are all these characters that you know and love, or here are the core characters. If somebody says Teen Titans, name them off. You're going to go Robin, Starfire, Beast Boy, Cyborg, Raven, you know, down the line, even though Cyborg doesn't appear in the Dan Jurgen story, since he's over in the Justice League story, it kind of makes sense. And it feels like a teen, I don't want to say Teen Titans Go, because it's not that silly and slapsticky, but it's just an adventure of the Teen Titans finding a group of bad guys, and they've got to get this thing back from the bad guys. And it's going to be kind of cool to see this go over six issues, like I said in the beginning. So this could be collected in a trade. I know some people are thinking, well, I'll wait till it goes digital. I don't know if it's going to go digital or if it's going to be collected in a trade, because right now it's like, hey, 
go to Walmart and pick these up. But I think these issues would be really good to give to somebody that maybe they like Batman. Maybe the only Batman that they know is on the silver screen. And they're talking about these, well, where did the Riddler come from? And who, who's the Joker, really? I can't believe you. somebody would say who the Joker is. But somebody that just isn't the avid reader. I think these books are really cool to kind of maybe prompt them into picking up comics regularly. Or maybe they'll pick them up on the app. Or maybe they'll just be content getting these comics at Walmart when they're getting their groceries or buying their kids' toys. And... Every month, they're getting four new issues, essentially. They're getting a brand new Titan story. They're getting the continuation of the Jeff Johns storyline. They're getting the Super Sun story, and they're getting a brand new character in the uh, Sideways character from the new age of DC. So I think it's uh, it, it's done really well. Uh, the other thing that I like in here is uh, Scott Eaton's artwork, and Again, I mean this in the best sense of the word. This feels like something that would have been in my cereal box or would have been on the back of Twinkies back in the 70s and 80s. It's probably showing my age here. But those fun little books that you would get in cereal on the back of, you know, or inside a cereal or a mail away thing or inside of an action figure or superpowers from those from the 80s. Again, just a basic story, but it's that artwork that's, this is the typical in-house artwork. It's not done by Jim Lee or Jason Fabok or Jay Lee or something really crazy. And I mean, the utmost spec to Scott Eaton on this, it's just a basic character design. You put that up there, it could be on a t-shirt, a poster and go, oh, look, there's Robin. Hey, that's Tim Drake. So again, it's basic entry-level storytelling, and it's done very clean, very effective, and it looks instantly familiar. I don't know if I could have told you other Scott Eaton issues that I have or drawn by him. I'm sure that I do, but it's just this warm, friendly look at the characters, and you go, I dig it. I get it. So again, about the art. I think it's solid, and I don't want to use the word basic in a negative connotation, hearing my nieces and nephews go, oh, it's so basic. Basic is great. You know, basic is fine. Basic is vanilla. Vanilla is really good to go with when you're like, I just want ice cream. I just want to enjoy a bowl of ice cream, and I don't need sprinkles and everything else on it. I just want it to be fun. And that's what the art is like for me on this. There's nothing in any of these panels anywhere that I'm going, that looks a little off here. Everything is clean. The lines are great. The shading, the shadowing, the coloring. Uh, Each of the characters are drawn. It's not like we're getting little blurbs like, wow, Starfire's face looks really weird. And her boob is about the size of her head. It's nothing like that. All the characters are in proportion. And uh, he draws animals very well with Beast Boy, which when some people are doing animals they don't pull them off very well but he's drawing a bird like a a hawk here i'm assuming it's a hawk it's green uh but drawing a woolly mammoth drawing an elephant drawing a tiger so that right there and plus drawing vehicles everything looks really good and solid but again it kind of makes me feel like saturday morning having that bowl of cereal and there pops out this comic book i would have loved this as a kid and i'm a big kid right now so i'm digging the art big time So since I've done a lot of discussing 
and telling you about the story rather than me go through panel by panel. Oh, I like this. I like that. And it feels really weird to be talking to myself again, doing a solo show. But two things I want to talk about. The first being Tim Drake in this, obviously, because that's why this podcast exists. But I talked a little bit about it in episode 77, where part one is where I said, you know, Dan Jurgens confirmed that this is Tim Drake. This really solidifies that this is Tim Drake because the whole thing opens up with, you know, my name is Tim Drake, Robin, and I refuse uh, to lose uh, this battle. They obviously made a decision to put Tim Drake in here for a reason. I would love to interview Dan Jurgens and get him to talk about this. And he's also written the Batman Beyond version of Tim Drake and has written a few other versions of Tim Drake. But something that we talk about on the show all the time is, you know, does the character feel like Tim Drake? We kind of keep talking about the Robin Impulse issue where the first half of that book felt like somebody was just writing pseudo Robin that, oh, we're going to write Robin and they're defaulting to the Dick Grayson Robin and not writing the Tim Drake character the way he needs to be written. Dan Jurgens already has a really good handle writing an older version of Tim Drake and seeing him write a younger version of Tim Drake while he's Robin. Now that we know in Young Justice, he's going to be referring to himself as Robin again, not Red Robin. Makes me really happy and that this feels like Tim Drake. And we're all the time saying, oh, this feels like a Chuck Dixon, Tim Drake. I think this feels like pseudo Tim Drake. If somebody said, write me a Tim Drake story, I think it needs to feel like Tim Drake right from the onset. He is a master planner. He is the technical expert of the group. He is a gadget extraordinaire, just like Batman is, and refers to Batman in this in ways of how Batman deals with things. And Tim is the smartest Robin in the room. He is the smartest person in the room. And just like Rachel Ghoul has said, and even Batman has said that he is going to be a greater detective than Batman could ever be, that Tim's mind works that fast and is that sharp. And just in the opening sequence where he's taking out each of the Titans is very reminiscent of something Batman would do and something that Batman has taught Tim how to do, how to go after your opponents and know their weaknesses and much like Batman would do against Justice League in order to take them down, he knows how to effectively take him down and has that, I am the smartest person in the room and I never said you couldn't use weapons. And they're kind of like, uh. so that that's just real refreshing that Jurgens is writing each of these characters as who they are. He It definitely feels like Beast Boy. Like we, we always talk on the show that you get a different writer on a book and you're just like, I don't think they're getting a handle of this character. Beast Boy is saying the things that Beast Boy should be saying. And Starfire seems a little bit like a fish out of water, as you would expect her to be. And Raven just seems real dark and real moody, kind of like the Teen Titans version or the Teen Titans Go version or the first version of Teen Titans. When we first heard somebody like Tara Strong voice her, I kind of get that voice that Tara Strong would do. It's very refreshing in the characters and the villains from what little that they're speaking. And this is more of the disruptor and the director of the hive. It's as much as I was kind of saying it's kind of cookie cutter storytelling, it's still very true storytelling. He's just not phoning this in. Like I'm just going to write a generic story. Here's Robin, here's Raven and boom, go. 
the character beats are thought out and they're well uh, they're well thought out. Again, it's Dan Jurgen. So that was the first thing uh, that I wanted to talk about rather than go through page by page and all the different things that, uh, that they're doing. It's really cool. Hopefully you can get a chance to read this and see it. Um, and, and if nothing else, I really hope it gets collected. But the second thing I want to talk about is the villains in this book. Uh, more importantly, the fearsome five. And I'm probably counterdicting, contra- counterdicting, contradicting myself. You know that word that I'm trying to say. I'm probably double talking there. We'll go with that one. <laughs> probably double talking a little bit from what I said last time I recorded uh, the 100 page giant is I assume that these were all brand new characters. And then I saw Simon and I was like, well, I'm familiar with Simon enough from the young justice cartoon series. And I know he's been in Jeff John's team Titans run. I think he's been in young justice as well. The da- Peter David book. So that looked a little bit familiar. And I thought, well, there's Mammoth. I know who Mammoth is. Again, I had recently read Mammoth in the Titans story from Rebirth. So then I'm like, oh, everybody else must be the same. But the Disruptor, I was almost certain was a new character. I think this version and this look of the Disruptor is new. So I'm pulling this off of Wikipedia because, you know, it can never be wrong. The Disruptor is the name of three supervillains in DC Comics. Uh, Mr. Epo, E-P-O, Michael Belden, not Michael Bolton. Um, <laughs> when a man loves a woman. Okay, no, never mind. Um, and Angela Smith. I apologize for all that. Uh, cue in Michael Bolton music right here. Time, love, and tenderness. Okay, there you go. Um, Wow. Didn't know you were going to get a song today. So I'm assuming, because they're not saying who he is, at least in these three issues here that I have so far, which uh, disruptor it is, I'm going to guess Michael Bolton. Why don't you just uh, go by Mike instead of Michael? No way. Why should I change? He's the one who sucks. I'm sorry. Bad jokes all the way through. Michael Belden, B-E-L-D-O-N. So Mr. Epo, it was the first disruptor, appeared in World's Finest, issue 251, and was created by Steve Ditko. So that's already got some, you know, lineage and, you know, history behind it. Uh, The Michael Belden, Belden, see now I'm saying Bolton, Michael Belden version of Disruptor was first appeared in New Teen Titans 20, June 1982. It was created by Marv Wolfman, George Perez, and Romeo Tangal. The Angela Smith version of the Disruptor first appeared in Teen Titans Volume 3, number 56, excuse me, and was created by Sean McIver and Eddie Barrows. So right in that Teen Titans wheelhouse. So now I'm like, well, okay, clearly the Disruptor is a DC Comics villain. All of them are. I thought, well, maybe we were getting something special. We were getting a new creation. And I like that they went deep on this, that it was enough that, I didn't remember who it was. I wasn't reading the Marv Wolfman, George Perez run at the time, although I've started to, I've had some here or there, obviously, but wasn't enough that I really remembered who the disruptor was. So I'm glad that it was kind of more of a deep cut. Uh, There's quite a bit of history that I'm not going to read all of this. The uh, Michael Belden version, which kind of makes me think this is 
the version that they're going off of is the son of Brains Belden, a criminal genius that uh, had tangled with Batman. Brains wanted to wanted a seat in the crime organization known as the Hive. To prove himself, he created a high-tech costume that would disrupt natural flow-slash-order of things. Michael constantly sought his father's approval, and to bid earn the respect of his father, he wore the costume himself, the Disruptor. So... That's where I think this is coming from. It says, sometimes later, Wild Bee sprang uh, Black Trident, Gizmo, and the Puppeteer, and the Disruptor from Jail. These villains were captured by the Titans, New Teen Titans, Volume 2, 41, 1988. The Disruptor resurfaced later in Arsenal's team of the Titans and was defeated once again. Later to battle Arsenal's team of, of the Titans. Can't get my words twisted right. There. Do you like that? So... That's who I think this is. Obviously, it's not. A, he's not a female in this. Not that he couldn't be. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, not at all. So it's not Mr. Epo. So I'm thinking it's probably the Michael Belden version of the Disruptor is more akin or more adhere, however you want to say that, to this formulation of the Titans, I think works a little bit better. Seems like his power set is very much there. It's one of the line it says here it says the hives request the disruptor hunted down the members of the Teen Titans. If the disruptor could kill them, the seat in the hive would be given to Brains Belden. The disruptor was effective in combat, almost killing Cyborg and Changeling and Wonder Girl with his disruptive powers. Kid Flash himself was captured by the disruptor and his father, Brains Belden. The Titans counterattacked only to have the Disruptor turn their powers against themselves until he was defeated by Ravian's soul self. So, again, I think this is really leaning into the Michael version of the Disruptor. So let's take a look at the Fearsome Five. Now, the Disruptor was never a part of the Fearsome Five, so I think they're kind of pulling in different members of the uh, fearsome five and kind of working them together. The fearsome five was created by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. So since the disruptor was created by George Perez and Marv Wolfman and the fearsome five was, I think Dan Jerry just kind of took a page out from both of those books. Like they're both, they're all villains of the teen Titans. And rather than having, you know, Deathstroke be the main villain again in a new story, they're like, we're just going to go, and dig deep through the archives and go, hey, we're going to use this team that doesn't get a lot of publicity, and that's who we're going to go with. The members of the Fearsome Five have traditionally been, and there's more here, but some of them were interchangeable. Jinx, Mammoth, Shimmer. So there, that shows that Shimmer is definitely a member. Dr. Light, Gizmo, Seymour, that's C hyphen more, S-E-E-M-O-R-E, Billy Numerous, and Simon. So... Already, from the members that they have, we've got Mammoth, Shimmer, Gizmo, Simon, and throwing in the Disruptor in there kind of rounds out the history. So the Fearsome Five have a much larger history, and one that I probably should have known, I just it was never on my radar. The Fearsome Five were in the Outsiders number 14 uh, that I'm seeing here from Wikipedia. And they were also most recently in the New 52. In September uh, 2011, the New 52 rebooted DC's continuity. In this new timeline, the Forever Evil storyline, 
See, I should remember that. Uh, the story uh, introduces the fearsome five consisting of Gizmo, Jinx, Mammoth, Simon, and Shimmer. When they are recruited by the Crime Syndicate of America to join the Society of Supervillains, in Justice League Volume 2, Number 29, the fearsome five were sent along with Dr. Psycho and Hector Hammond to fight against Cyborg and the Metalmen. They are easily defeated by the Metalmen because half of their team has powers that influence with brains, but the metal men have no brains. So that's why the metal men were able to win because they are robots. So I could read through there's the main version of the fearsome five has been Jinx, Gizmo, Dr. Light, Mammoth, Seymour, and Billy numerous. There have been ironically five versions of the fearsome five and the final version of the fearsome five actually now technically six, but the last one in the new 52 was Simon Jinx, Mammoth, Gizmo, and Shimmer. And now it's Simon, Disruptor, Mammoth, Gizmo, and Shimmer for this DC 100-page giant. Uh, They've been on television. Jinx, Gizmo, and Mammoth have appeared as students at Hive in the animated Teen Titans TV series. They have appeared in video games. The Fearsome Five appears in the DC Comics universe online. The lineup consists of Dr. Light, Mammoth, Gizmo, Jinx, and Simon. The Fearsome Five members Gizmo, Jinx, Mammoth, Dr. Light, and Simon also appear on LEGO DC Supervillains, which is coming out. Uh, This is October 11th, so in five days, October 16th, that new LEGO game is out, and those characters will be in there. So... This guy here was not really up to his Teen Titans knowledge at the time that these characters were out there, as I was kind of stayed more in Gotham City in the Tim Drake solo book. So I'm kind of surprised I didn't... Uh, I'm looking at the characters a little more, I could recognize them, but they just weren't characters that popped into my head. Simon was usually the biggest one that I could recognize because he's been in some of the DC animated movies. I think Mammoth has appeared in Batman Superman Public Enemies, Animated short, he was in there really quick, I believe so, even though Wikipedia doesn't have it in there, I would almost bet my bottom dollar that he does. So that takes care of the discussion portion for issue two and issue three. Uh, Like I said, the backup stories in here are the 2003 Jeff Johns uh, Teen Titans run, and that's issue two and issue three in this respectively, and then... Like I said before, this is the second part of the Super Sun storyline that started in the latter part of the second wave, rather, of Rebirth. And then it ends with Sideways, which I have not read, but is drawn by the wonderful Kenneth Rockefort. So, like, tying this all together, you get a really good introductory story saying, here's who all the Titans are, here's how their power sets work. Here's who they are. And you know who Robin is and Raven and Starfire. And then you kind of move into uh, the Jeff Johns run. You kind of work your way chronologically through to where, you know, the teen characters are in the DC universe. So I'm digging this. Um, it'll be kind of fun to go through the Batman books with uh, Terrence to kind of see what his thoughts are on these books. And uh, maybe the next time that uh, Terrence and Ryan are on here, we can kind of talk about these things have been kind of hit and miss recording. We're getting towards the tail end of the year and it's always a hard time. We're, you know, we're just into October. Halloween's going to be right around the corner before we know it. Then we're getting into the big holiday season 
of Thanksgiving and Christmas. So we're really kind of hoping in these next few weeks to maybe have a nice long recording session and kind of knock out a few issues and maybe do a Christmas episode early for us, but for you guys to be able to have something to get through the rest of the year with. And speaking of Terrence and Ryan, if you want to get a hold of them on Twitter, you can find Terrence at Tim's Redbird. That's his new Twitter handle. And you can find Ryan at SMB underscore Ryan. He's also over on Batman on Film. Terrence is also with me on Batman and Robin Eternal podcast. You can find Ryan's Azrael podcast Twitter feed, which that's not up yet. He almost has a two-year-old interview with Denny O'Neill that we did with him that he's going to break up and do part of it for Azrael to launch that. And then we'll get the Drake portion. So... Maybe sometime in 2019, the Azrael podcast will get up, but he is active over there. I'm just poking at him right now. Sorry, Ryan. You can find Ryan's Azrael podcast at Azrael podcast on Twitter. And then I mentioned Batman and Robin Eternal podcast. You can find us on Twitter at our second podcast feed at band R eternal pod. That's B A N D R eternal pod. You can find me, Rob, on Twitter at DrummerRob10 and, of course, at ELTD Podcast. So on behalf of Terrence and Ryan, this is your host, Rob, signing off saying thanks for listening to the BatmanUniverse.net and, more importantly, of course, finding out why everyone loves Drake. We'll see you guys in a few weeks. Take care. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguin's lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media, also over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Turn around to be